Are y'all kids playing Dungeons and Dragons? If so, they're probably having sex with Satan himself. Welcome to another episode of Stuck in a Side Quest. Uh, joining me today is Trevor. Hello there. Haley. What up? Tyler. Hello. Scott. Here, here. And myself, Katie. Um, today we're talking about D&D, kind of uh, talking about like how we are as players and how we got into D&D, but also the origins of D&D, and we're going to touch on the satanic panic. Ooh. So, uh, honestly, Trevor got all of us into D&D. Oh, shit. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Trevor. Yeah. Trevor, how'd you get into D&D? I don't think we've um, heard that story. My best friend, Kyle, won't say his last name, but shout out, Kyle. I think you listen to this podcast. If, if you do, I appreciate it, big dog. <laughs> but um, he just he started talking to me one, about it one day. He was like, hey, um, so I started playing Dungeons & Dragons because he started playing because his friend told him. He's like, I don't really want to DM. I really want to be a Dungeons Master, and I want you all to play. He's like, uh, and it was me and my ex-wife, and... We were like, yeah, sure. And he's like, we need some other people. And Scott was actually a part of that. He played one session and then quit after that. Um, uh, hey, it was really fun, though. And somehow we ended up, we just kept getting people to come play with us. And at one point, the DM would be DMing eight players, nine players. Damn. Yeah, it was it was a lot. But, I mean, that was probably, how long ago was that? three, four years, maybe longer than that, five years. But in just like the fashion, like Kyle brought it to me, I brought it to my family. Scott knew a little bit about it, but then I was like, y'all should really play. We've gotten pretty good at it. It's pretty fun. And so I ended up DMing for y'all, right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. But I'm a shitty DM, so. Oh, I had a whole story I made up. I was making, like, on paper, the thought, or in my head, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And then I'm a lazy piece of shit, so I don't do what I need to do. I but really liked it because we found that too. Warforged and we named it. Oh, yeah, that was actually pretty good. It was pretty. Oh, yeah. It was too much. That. I winged it too much. Look, if you're a DM, you can't be lazy. You got to you gotta write stuff out. And, yeah, you don't know where it's going to go, but you can't just go and do a session with nothing because that's <laughs> what I did, and it was horrible. <laughs> I had, the, like, the idea in my head, but. I didn't like set up like the encounters and stuff and all that. So, but I mean, they liked it enough to we all got into it pretty pretty heavily. I honestly, I'm I'm a better player than a DM. If I actually like sat down and put some time into being a DM, I probably could do all right. But I don't like I should. But I like to play. I like for somebody else to have all the workload on them, and I can just bring my character that I've made up in my head to act. Yeah, and I've I've DM'd a couple sessions for like family and stuff, like a couple different campaigns. But it's easier to be a player because you can just focus on that one thing. It, it gets really complicated when you start doing the NPCs and yep. keeping up with everything. Yep, you actually have to do homework as a DM. You can't. Yeah. You can just come in with your with your paper as a player and maybe just remember what happened in later sessions, but. As a DM, you you got you got you got a lot to, got a lot to work with, got a lot to do. Yeah, I tried to homebrew the first one that we did, and it's not a good idea to do that as a first time DM. Yeah, and that's so what I got I, I got into the books a lot, and I when I get into something, I obsess about it. So I like 
just started reading campaign books for the hell of it. <laughs> so I know like a lot about D&D and like the universe and stuff. But Yeah, the campaign I the one that we're kind of currently in, but we've taken like a few months off. <laughs> the Tyrion Tyranny of Dragons, which is team at and everything, and it's really dope, but we haven't got back into it, but it's well, they're actually going pretty well for a minute there. And it's a lot easier to go buy something that's already kind of played out in a book or outlined in a book that you can follow. So at least you don't have to do too much homework. We definitely got some uh, good characters in that campaign. My most recent character I played, which we haven't... The group, everybody kind of... kind. We all kind of fell apart because we got adulting going on. and life. Yeah, and life. And it just didn't work out like it was because we play almost every week. But I have was playing a a green tiefling, and yes, I know some people. There, you know, there's only red and regular like skinned uh, tieflings. Whatever, that's lame. Um, he was a green tiefling that was an artificer, and he's probably one of my most favorite characters I ever played. Because playing an artificer is super fun because you can be creative with all the spells you have. Um. And he was like kind of like an, a nerdy, awkward guy, but a lot like me, but he was buff, unlike me. <laughs> but it was all just show muscle because he had like a strength of, I don't know, 10. And I am kind of a min-max player. Not to the point where I'm trying to screw over the DM. I just like to make my character strong in what he does. So like I had like super high intelligence and super high uh, constitution. Um, and I didn't make it too much like Iron Man. I was probably more like Green Goblin, honestly, because <laughs> I had like a little flyer. But I I actually like really, really, really love that character, and I hope I can play him again. But that's, that's the type of player I am. Like, I love homebrewing, and I'm all about homebrewing and like letting people homebrew too. But... Like, I understand that I'm not going to do something that's game-breaking. And if the, we do find something that's game-breaking, I'm not going to exploit it. Because I'm not going to do that to the DM. Like, to me, a lot of people or some people might think that um, it's the DM versus the players. But it's really everybody working together. Like, as a player, you want to work with the DM to make a good story and make a fun story. You don't want to have, like, contention, like you're just trying to you're trying to kill everything one shot. Some people love to do that. I don't. I like to like play out a story and I have it all going on in my head, like this awesome canon of what's going on, like with combat and everything and different story elements. Yeah, um in a couple of different groups I've DM'd with, there's like always those people who think the DM's out to get you. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's literally the fate of the roles. Yeah. And I'm not gonna purposefully try to kill off my characters because if you keep doing that, there's never a story. Yeah. And I even like I even fudge roles. That's the type of DM. And I, it's never it's I always fudge to make it to make it a little bit more intense or and by fudging the roles that means like I'll roll something and like let's say it's like super low and I actually needed I want to hit that character because they'd make it like good intense story, then I'm like, it hits. <laughs> <laughs> or if I'm like about to kill a character and it's like a net 20 and I look at it and I'm like, oh, and I know this is going to like straight up just kill him, kill him. And I'm like, I can't do this to him. I'll be like, it doesn't hit. <laughs> and I keep him alive that way. That's the type we I appreciate am. that. Yeah. Because I hate, 
I don't like killing characters. If it makes for a good story, like I'm just rolling and it's like every roll, it's like, all right, it's in the fates that you 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 gotta die. So but <laughs> that's I that's the type of DM I am too. No, I like that too because you adding to like how it creates good a good story because that's really what you want out of a campaign. You really want like a good story to follow instead of it just being dungeon crawl because a lot of encounters can feel like that to where it's just it's over and all you're doing is you run in this room and you kill these three things and then you run into that room and you kill these three things and it's just don't get me wrong i love a good dungeon crawl i'm a dungeon crawling boy right yeah but you can still create a dungeon crawl with a good story yeah you know what i mean instead of it just being so bland yeah and like throw in like traps and puzzles and like shit that happens not just constant combat yeah, that's true. Hallie, what kind of character do you like to play? I like um, to be like the nerdy character. Like this, I don't know, the one that thinks things through. And the one who doesn't just go for it. Like, I, I don't, I usually kind of go against the group in some decisions because, I don't know, I question what we should do. Like, should we fight them or should we not fight them? Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's I'm actually nice. It's you're not a murder hobo, <laughs> and that's kind of annoying when you throw stuff in. And it's like, all right, y'all can like, you know, you can navigate around this without you know fucking stabbing somebody in the gut. Yeah, like Just, you can actually talk to them, and yeah. you can actually like make for good role playing. Instead of being that character that just wants to fight, fight yeah, just fight. kills people. Yeah, I, I'm not for that. Let's talk it through. Do you have a favorite character that you've ever played? What's her name? <laughs> Is it the Goliath woman? Yes. <laughs> I cannot remember her name. Because she was so sweet, and she would care animals in her bra. And she was <laughs> scary as hell. And she would talk like this the entire time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Haley is very good with her voices. I can make voices, but I'll have like a certain amount of voices, and they all end up blending together, so I kind of suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> I like Haley's voices and everything. Yeah, she does a really good job with her voices. It's been a thing since my childhood just to have voices for different things. Mine too, but mine suck. Mine's like stupid fucking middle middle school boy. That's the way I feel. Every time I... I don't really try to do voices just because I can't. Like, it never comes (laughs) out right. Scott's pretty good at voices. I like doing voices. Okay, this man, like, before we started Tyrion of Dragons, and he was going to play the Leonin, um... He was literally practicing in the shower, like practicing his lion voice, like <laughs> practicing in the car, like gearing up. I do, I do that in the car. I'll practice my before I get into character. Like I'll kind of have a British accent. It, it always goes Australian, or I go <laughs> country. It's like really bad, but I'll try to talk and I'll do it. Like I'll act out scenes in my head in the car. Thank God nobody can hear those because yeah. be <laughs> cringy. I am. Um... There was a one shot that we did, and I'm pretty sure I played a dwarf, and I kept trying to do like an Irish exit, and every time I'd start off fine, and it would just fade out, mm-hmm. and it would be horrible. And I tried to practice that voice so much, and I could not get it. That's but I, one. Good. That's one thing I've noticed about all of us when we try to do voices. If it's Irish or Scottish or like Australian, it always ends up British at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it always country. goes back around or country. Yeah. That's the only one I have. I actually haven't played a country character yet. I did have one made up who was a uh, dragonborn 
it might be off topic, but not really off topic. But he was a dragonborn uh, swashbuckler, and he was he talked low country. He he was spit tobacco. I like okay. Well, one of my favorite characters is the character that we have in this current campaign. His name is Kavar. And he is a Leonin paladin. <laughs> and uh, he is lawfully good. I on appreciate him because he, he thinks everything through. But he doesn't play the, the, the stereotypical lawful paladin that sucks because, like, the thief in the group steals something. But, I mean, Scott plays it pretty well without being annoying. Oh, dude, I love it because there will <laughs> be so many opportunities to where it's like. There's someone that needs help down the road. And we have to help And them. I will pursue them every single time. Well, I mean, I'm trying to play the character. You know what I mean? Like, this and I man, can use that as a DM. And I'm like, okay, well, I know they're going to go deal with this because Scott's character. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kavar Tyler's trying to it. fight them while, yeah. while Kavar oh, is trying yeah. to help them. <laughs> it definitely conflicts with the other characters in the party. But that's again, that's what's good. The diversity in the group is what's good. Well, so my, point. my favorite character that I've played is the one that we're, I'm playing now is Mirth. Um, she's a Twilight Domain cleric, and she's a Lavender Tiefling. Um, but she's kind of like in the middle. Like, she doesn't want to hurt. She'll go into battle and fight for like... She the, has a dark side. Yeah, she'll she'll go do the right thing, but on the flip side, she knows when... it's It almost comes down to like what's best for the group in a way. And so if she has to kill something, she's going to do it. Whereas Kavar won't. So like sometimes I'm on Kavar's side and sometimes I'm on the rest of the group side and it, it kind of tears the group sometimes. Kavar is obnoxiously going to do everything he can to make sure he saves somebody or do this or do that. He can't, I mean, he can't do it. He can't just not let something happen. I mean, if somebody needs help or this has got to be taken care of, he's got to do it. Well, that's like, that's a stigma though. Like the lawful good paladin, people don't like him because of that reason. Yeah. But you don't play it like that. Like it's not, you're not like the asshole lawful good paladin. Like a lot of people play. I try to choose, you know what I mean? You got to pick and choose when the campaign's like going on and stuff like that on certain things. Because if I was to jump in the action on every single thing, it would get old. Well, I think a lot of people play chaotic. There are a lot of people's characters are always chaotic. They're always on that chaotic scale because chaotic's like um, like chaotic good. It could be like you're a good person. You want to do good things, but you also think about yourself, so you might not deal with all the the lawful stuff. Like, oh, I'm gonna steal this bread because I need to eat. But this make me a bad person, you know right. what I mean? Or I can feed the poor, or whatever. Um, I haven't really played evil characters all that much. Uh, I've played one evil character, and he kind of went evil, which was fun. But usually, I'm playing a good character or a neutral character, which my neutral character is more good than neutral, anyways. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played a bad or evil character as well. We should honestly. do an evil campaign though; that would be fun. I have one more little character that uh, I really enjoy playing as, and I played it in a recent one shot that we did. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give too much information about this character because I'm hoping that y'all get to hear this character, and yeah, you know, maybe in a later episode. Uh, just know that his name is 
Doopy Doo. <laughs> Just remember that name, Doopy Doo. That might have been the. That's where I got the inspiration for Dumble Dookie's Elf. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty great. Like I said, hopefully y'all get to hear him sometime soon. He was so good. I really like to get into character making. Like that's my favorite part. And I like I build up a whole backstory and like why they do the things they do and like picking the name. The name has to mean something. But then when it gets down to like the role playing and stuff. I can't do voices, and then I get, like, nervous to, like, act stuff out and stuff. Even when I'm, like, playing with y'all, I get nervous. Well, see, that's where I'm the opposite, because I feel like I'm better at, like, playing the character than I am developing the backstory. I am garbage at coming up with a good backstory for a character. <laughs> I love coming up. I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I will come up with, like, a decent backstory, and I'll come up with a bunch of stuff for the person. But it's not elaborate like I know some people. Some Some... Shout out to Johnny. This man, he um, makes like a whole story, like paragraph, like page, multiple pages of his backstory about what goes on, which helps the DM quite a bit because you can tie stuff in very easily. But also you could say, oh, well, he, he doesn't know what happened. That's a good one. And then the DM can come up with it, which is also another pretty good thing pretty good way to do I it. I usually always have a voice picked out before we start a campaign and that's what I grow mine off of. <laughs> yeah, I try I'll to do that. I'll start with that and then I'll move on and I'll, I'll create a little bit of a backstory afterwards, but <laughs> yeah, out of my like five voices that I do regularly, <laughs> I pick one. I try to do the same thing. Voices are a big deal to me. It's yeah, like, me too. That's what's going to separate my character from like my other characters because I don't want it to be the same. Right. Well, and then when I'm just talking about the com- campaign, it's like I'm just talking. But then when my character's talking, you know my character's talking. Right. Tell her what's the favorite character you've ever played. Uh, my favorite character? It'd have to be Keith. Did he have a last name? Yes. Was it Keith Hunt or something Keith like that? Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> So I had a character. Even I remember his name. In our, uh, we had a Harry Potter campaign, and that was a pretty badass campaign. Was a really good campaign. It Katie was DM'd really that good. One. Well, yeah. it was based off the story of the cursed child, so I'd, I can't take credit for the but story. But it was good. I was a. Uh, the twist at the end was. Oh man. I was a human, or we were all human, and we we're sorcerers and stuff, and uh, I was from Kentucky. I talked like this. I was a, uh, I was real country, and I'm trying to remember. You ate a lot of casseroles. I remember I that. Ate, no, <laughs> yeah, that was mama's. No, that was mama's no. casseroles or something like yeah, that. Yeah, ma- mama's had. casseroles. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I had casseroles. I was the plug for anybody in Hogwarts. I'm still talking like them. <laughs> <coughs> Getting back into I it. I had anything you needed at Hogwarts. I had you could get. Um, I had a cat named Dog. This man was always drinking too, boy. Always. I was like 16 years old, alcoholic. Don't forget about mini. My mini I made was I always had my mini I made. He's holding up a Jack Daniels bottle, and Keith's wand was a plunger. (laughs) And um, don't forget about Bible study. I know I'm getting there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then we I had Bible study all the time, and that was just another word for uh, self pleasurement. 
<laughs> yeah. He would reference a lot how he's got to go study his Bible. Yeah. And- well, going back to uh, what I always play, I'm one of those D&D players that thinks he can play a bard, but actually gets like 10 weeks into the campaign or five weeks in the campaign and just figures out that I fucking suck at playing a bard. And yeah, that's what I usually try to play. If I'm not playing a bard, I'll just switch back to a thing. Um, Fighter? Fighter? Goliath. uh, Yeah, Goliath. Like, what do they call it? Martial class. Martial class. Barbarians. That's what I meant. Yeah. I think that bards are the hardest thing to play, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. They can't really do All anything. All my characters end up being no, assholes. Negative. They can, they can do a lot. Negative. They can do a lot negative. of stuff, but it's it's up to your like. Uh, you've got to flavor your character. Like that's one of those ones that you've got to flavor it, and it's hard to do that. Oh yeah, bards are all about charisma. I mean, it, you've got to add everything to it. I mean that and skill checks, and they are a lot more on role playing aspects than fighting. They're more support, but I mean, it, it, I mean, it's not necessarily it's not easy to play one but i know some people who they tear up a bard and they know what to do with a bard and it's a lot of a lot of people don't like to play support really i guess they'd rather be in the action hitting people than helping people out but it's kind of fun to play support because as an artificer as i play like an artificer a lot of my stuff isn't damage it's support and stuff and there's a lot of clutch moments in combat in role playing where a support character will help out another one and end up they like turn the tides of the the battle and stuff like that not to be dramatic yeah and it's good to have you know different classes within a group as well cuz if everyone's a fighter or a physical character i guess you know versus a magic caster you know it can get kind of bland yeah um i'm i'm kind of partial to being a magic caster and I'm guilty of being the opposite. I'm usually more of a physical character. I want to be in the thick instead of, you know, doing this or doing that. Well, so D&D started back in the early 1970s. There's kind of like split scenarios on what is exactly what year. It's anywhere between like 72 to 74. Um, but it was basically made by a guy named Gary Gygax and somebody named Dave Arneson. Um it kind of, it kind of like originated from like war battle games, like in that time period there there was a bunch of people who would get together, but it was like based off of real war, like a civil war, yeah moment, yeah. But it was it was still kind of like role playing and stuff. And so Gary Gygax designed like a medieval war game called Chainmail, and that was like an early version of it. But then they when they started adding in like the fantasy stuff and all that, it was called Blackmore was the original name. Um, and they consider this to be like the zero edition because it, it wasn't called D and D and stuff like that. Um, but so they got a lot of things from J.R.R. Tolkien who wrote Lord of the Rings. And so with that, there was three different classes, clerics, fighters, and magic users. That was it. Um, they tried to put in different things like elves and hobbits and stuff like that, but, they got a cease and desist letter from Tolkien. And they, that's <laughs> yeah. why hob, they're not hobbits, they're halflings, stuff like that. Right. Um, there's also no saving throws or healings. When you die, you just were dead. That was the end of your character. That would be oh, so no. sad. Yeah. Um, 
They probably realized that we should do that because I'm sure a, there was a lot of beloved characters that perished. I mean, that's kind of a thing on D and D. It's like different than I think other games. It's like you can die and your character can be permanently permanently dead. Which oh, yeah. there's a bunch of stuff that can bring it back life, but they can be permanently dead and you're playing a new character, which can be fun within itself and adds to the story. I mean, it's like a regular story, I guess. I think, didn't in the recent campaign that happen with your character, or was that a different... No, McCoy got ran over and replaced Yeah, that's because he did. He wanted yeah. to play somebody else. Yeah, yeah, because I couldn't stand playing that fucking character. Well, anymore. still, though, he died, and then Wilhelm came into our campaign. So I've had a character die. Yeah. It's rough. I really like Wilhelm's character, I and I like the voice that you do for him. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> do it. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Wilhelm, and... Yeah, kick some ass. And I'm like a nine foot tall fucking Goliath who, I, my inspiration was Krog from Thor. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But so, um, anyways, first edition started and they actually called it Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and they made that in 1977. Um, somewhere in between here, this is like up for debate also, different sources said different things, but um, Arneson and Gygax they kind of split ways a little bit. They started their own company and started like mass producing D&D. That's when they did the base set. So Arneson was only getting a 5% royalty off of the book, just like the rule book. But he was saying that he should be getting royalties off the whole box set, including like the dice that were in it. They had like an early version of dungeon tiles, all that kind of stuff. And he wanted royalties off of all of it. And he did go to court and eventually won that. But there's, there was like split. Some people were saying it was zero edition. Some people saying that it was after first edition came out. But either way, he won and got more royalties off of stuff. Um, but then in 1985, that's when they introduced Unearthed Arcana. And they started adding things like specialized like weapons and uh, new, cl- new classes that were slightly more powerful and stuff like that. But then you get into second edition in 89. And they had demons and half-orcs in it, but they removed them due to media pressure because that's, like, closer to the end. That's, like, closer to the end of, like, the Satanic Panic, uh, which we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, Third edition came out in 2000, and this was when Wizards of the Coast started taking over D&D. And um, side note on Wizards of the Coast, I collected Harry Potter... Uh, like trading cards and they were kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh cards like you had a mat and you could play the game like that Mm -hmm. Uh, my grandmother bought them for me and they're like the OG like artwork of Harry Potter like they look like the style of the books and stuff Wizards of the Coast like I've been looking at them online because I still have all of mine from when I was a kid Wizards of the Coast did those and like at the bottom it has like their logo and stuff on it which I thought was pretty cool yeah um but anyway, in third edition, that's when like feats were added. They started cleaning up character building and like beefing that up. Um, there's a lot of different versions in between all of these. These are just the main ones. Uh, so in 2003, they did 3.5 edition, um, where they added they added feats and like new classes. You can start multi-classing a lot of the stuff that we know today. Um, but then for some reason in 2008, when they came out with 4th edition, it was like completely different. Like, they changed a bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's infamous for that. Yeah. People hate 4th edition. Yeah, and they brought in something called healing surges. 
I didn't like do a bunch of research into what that was, but it was like a new, I think it kind of like beefed up your characters a little too much on healing. Mm -hmm. And like, I guess for people who didn't want their character to die, but with this, with fourth edition, Wizard of the Coast started trying to create like the online character builders, similar to what D and D beyond is now. And they wanted to implement like a virtual tabletop setting, but it never came to fruition. And a fourth edition compared to just from what I know off the top of my head, like one, the first edition, second and third, they all kind of had the same story dealing with like all the gods and demons. And like, there's like, they kind of have their own lore within each of like, um, uh, what's the, what's the main place called? The main campaign setting that they use. Like the Forgotten Realms? That's it. Forgotten yeah. Realms. Anyways, what I was getting to was 1, 2, and 3, they all kind of kept the same story of like how different races were made and their like origin stories and all that. And then 4, they completely rewit, re, rewrit everything. They uh, like, no, none of it was even close to the other stuff. And I think that made a lot of people mad because you get a lot of like, stories and stuff that are based off of different characters like Dritz and all that and everything and then four comes along and completely changes like how the races were made changes like the pantheons of the gods and everything and people were upset and they kind of constricted like how you could make your character and like yeah. what you could do with it yeah and like tieflings were different like all the there's like there's a bunch of stuff that probably explains why they made tieflings when they got rid of demons in the 80s and stuff like that. Yeah, the name. That's how they got away with mm -hmm. keeping those classes. Um, but in 2014, 5th edition came out, and they took all that hate <laughs> and scrapped everything in 4 and, like, <laughs> came back to, like, what it used to be and, like, ramped it up a little bit. Um, and it had a lot of the mechanics from 3rd edition. Um have y'all seen where they're coming out with D and D one? Did y'all uh, get that email? I look. I saw it. I just yeah, looked I at that. it a minute ago. I don't really know what it is. Well, they're. It's kind of a way to get rid of editions. Like this will be like the last edition or whatever. But it's they're trying to like bring everything into D and D Beyond, mm -hmm. and to where you can strictly play inside of it. So like now you've got like the encounter builders and the character building tools and stuff like that. But I think they're gonna try to put in stuff where you can like. Kind of like what other websites do, where you can like play over video chat and like mm -hmm. you oh, can yeah. you can have like maps inside of it and like move your characters around. They're trying to put it all oh, into that's one, nice. and they're like taking some of the things. They're they're still changing it. It's going to be different than fifth edition, like the rules, character stuff like that. But it's kind of a thing where they can continue to build on it and change it without it being a new edition every time. Kind of like they're doing with five, because like with five, they've been adding stuff. There's like, I can go get a suitcase right now in my closet of all the D, D books that and this is from the group i played with and our books and everything there are so many books and i'm telling you this suitcase is the heaviest thing <laughs> that i have right now and um i think they're trying to make it like you said where it's like all right D, &D one is what we're going to be running with for the next fifty thousand years yeah and i, I think they're going to try to they're trying to implement like stuff from all the additions that yeah. people liked and everything into it. And then it'd be like, this will be the set set whatever that they're gonna be using. I mean it's it will smart. just be D and D. It won't, you know. Yeah. It makes sense though. I mean, going forward, how much 
I mean, you can always. Everybody's waiting for like going to sixth edition. It's kind of like, man, I, we got all these books and stuff in fifth edition. Like that's a lot, and then you have to re wait. You got to wait for everything to come back out. Like you got all the characters and the classes right now in five. Sixth edition comes out, and they only have the only playable races or whatever, and you have to homebrew everything, which can break a lot of stuff. So. Yeah, um, you but you can play test it right now on their website. Um, but it's supposed to come out in twenty twenty four, so it's like it's kind of a ways out. So they have a lot of time to do a lot of cool stuff with it, I think. Uh, yeah, but it's gonna probably get the people who are like, fifth edition is better, and they're going. Oh yeah, everybody's gonna hate it at first, but they're gonna end up using it. Well, there's a lot of people too who don't like doing stuff online. Yeah, that's true. I do a lot of stuff with D&D Beyond, and I really like it, so I think that would probably work best with me. I get, like, having a physical, like, having your dice with you, I'm always about that. I'm a dice goblin. I'm a dice goblin, yeah. too. We got a bunch you of dice goblins around here. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of dice. I'm a metal dice goblin. I love metal dice. I'm going to have, like, the physical dice here, and I'm going to roll those. Yeah. I don't really like rolling on the... Because that kind of takes, like, a big part of it. I don't, me. this is this is weird, but I know it's random. I don't trust it. I don't, I don't trust either. the computer. That's the way I feel. I'm like, I, this is rigged. I'd much rather just roll my dice because it's like, well, this is physical. I can see what it landed on. And it's like in the computer. I'm like, are they trying to get me? Are they just want me to have a horrible session this time? The computer is nice. It's also nice to have, like, a physical piece of paper, too. Yeah. It's cool to have, like, your paper there and everything. Kinda I love hard. using the, I like, just using a combination of both, honestly. Holds you more accountable, I feel like, the paper does. Yeah, you have to actually know your character. Yeah, that's, yeah, and, like, you can, stuff gets lost in all the different menus, and, like, you got, you wit, you wrote that all down. It didn't just pop up because you selected something in a check bar, like, in a box. Yeah. yeah. You wrote this down so you could remember it, so it probably makes that a lot easier, too. But, you know, it is what it is, because it, it, the convenience now to make a character within 10 minutes. Like I, I've done one shots where we didn't even make the character until everybody sat down and we were ready to play. And we've made like amazing characters that flow and everything. And it's pretty, I mean, it's definitely convenient and more user friendly to get people into it. Yeah. Especially with the resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons that's happened within the past five, 10 years. Five yeah. years. I um, I really like that. There's like places you can go, like comic book stores and stuff like that. You or or even just places where it's made to just go and play. Yeah, I always like I think about it when I'm in there. Like I would love to just go sit down at a table of strangers and just start playing. But I just yeah, there's no way my I personality could do it. <laughs> yeah. I can't do that. It would be cool, but I know that I, I don't know when you have your group like a friends that you can play with, which some people don't have that, and that sucks. But when you have, like, a group that you, like, your friends that you've been around for multiple years, and you all kind of understand each other, and you get each other, and you can play the game, and you all kind of all work off all the history you have and everything, it's super fun. Yeah. Oh, chemistry is very important. Yeah. Because if you, I mean, if there's, like, sometimes, like, one or two players can ruin a whole session because of how they're playing and how they want to play and. You definitely have to have chemistry between everybody in the at the table, like actual players. Like even that, like your characters can be at each other's throats, but 
you got to have chemistry between all y'all for the players being at each other to start to actually be fun and not just like, because I'll tell you one thing that I hate, I hate facing other players. Like, especially if it's story driven, like you got to, like this player is going against you. I absolutely hate it. I get way too much anxiety from it and it scares the shit out of me. Right. Well, so in the 80s, we had the satanic panic. Um, and really, honestly, it kind of started before then with the Manson murders, which didn't happen until 1969. Okay. <laughs> so Charles Manson basically led a cult back in the 1960s. Good guy. But not really. He didn't call it a cult. It was a family. It was his oh, family. That he had sex with. <laughs> Jeez. And did a lot of drugs. Yeah. He was made by the CIA. Oh, my God. I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> so they all lived out at this ranch, and like he would pick up troubled kids, basically, and be like, we can be this family together, and we can be free and have our own religion, and we can all have sex with each other. <laughs> and so that's what they did. <laughs> and so it, it was mostly made out of women because, of course, Mr. Manson wanted women. He wasn't really into men. He had a, he had a few guys that joined, but not a whole lot. Um, and so they stayed with each other all the time. They would go out to the desert, and they would do so many drugs, and they were so attached to this man, and he was the leader. And so whatever he said, they did, whether that was stealing food from trash cans or murdering people. <laughs> yeah, they idolized this man. Whatever the yes. CIA needed them to do. Jesus. <laughs> And so a lot, they went into a lot of satanic things too. Like he would use the Bible for things, and it was very sketchy and very dark. And so he basically convinced a bunch of these kids to go out and kill people. Specifically, the one that everyone remembers the most is the um, Tate murders. Um, so Roman Polanski's wife. Um, Sharon Tate Polanski, which Roman Polanski was a terrible man. If you've ever heard about him, he, he's awful. The things he did to little girls, so you know, whatever. But his wife was pregnant at the time, and she was just chilling out in her home, and Manson decided that they were going to murder them. And so they went in the house, and like they destroyed her. They, they killed her awfully, and it was terrible. And then they would write things like pig on the wall with blood. And it, like, very like dark. Shit. Like very dark. Shit. Yeah, very scary. And so, um, anyways, eventually it, it all caught up with Manson. And these girls got thrown into prison. And they still followed him in, while they were in prison. While he was in prison. Like, he was very controlling. And it scared the crap out of everybody <laughs> and he was a terrible guy i mean he he was crazy crazy what the cia did to him <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well so uh satanism was actually created or i guess maybe not created but established as a religion in the 1960s and the satanic bible was officially published the same year as the manson murders in 69 so all of that combined didn't really bode well, and it just, you know, it kept building over the years. And so, in the 80s, um, McMartin Daycare in California was, like, one of the big, 
like first drops of like a public satanic thing. And they were accusing these women that worked at the daycare of being witches and flying around and flushing children down toilets oh into secret God. underground tunnels for satanic rituals. Jeez. And this is in the 1980s. Yeah, like that should be like a 1600s story. Right. Yeah, that sounds like Salem because I just <laughs> right. listened to a podcast on Salem. That sounds exactly like Salem, bro. What the fuck? Like if, if somebody came and told me that my daycare worker is fl- trying to flush my child down the toilet. I'd, I'd just be like, pull them okay. out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I'd just be like, back. all right, well, I guess they're not going there. I don't really think they're going to try to flush them down the toilet. Or if they're like, they're witches. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all take a breather. <laughs> but um, the first instant of where D&D was involved in a story was in 1979. There was a 16-year-old boy named James Dallas Egbert III. He was discovered to be missing from his dorm at Michigan State, and uh, they hired a private investigator, his parents did, because they suspected foul play. But the biggest thing in the story was that he had a history of playing D&D. God forbid. There was actually a book written about his story called Mazes and Monsters because of the fact that he played D&D. He was played by Tom Hanks um, (laughs) in the movie. But um, really, Egbert was just like, he had mental health problems, he was a drug addict, um, and he found his way into the utility tunnels underneath the school, where he eventually uh, unalived himself. And they attributed it to the fact that he played D&D. Like, it, it mm-hmm. caused his mental issues, it like turned him to Satan, he started doing drugs, it was all D&D's fault. Yeah, they're saying, I, I was reading some news articles, because it was like, they were leading a lot of teenage death to that, to D&D. Um, and it was saying that D&D was brainwashing kids. Imagine, like, blaming Monopoly on someone ha- committing tax fraud. Right. Well, it's like they were like, well, if they believe in God, then maybe they're going to believe in these demons and other gods in this game. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> At it's just all. a game. Like, I don't know. It just, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, another big one that was actually in the 80s was Mary Towie. She was murdered by two boys in, in 84. Um, and these two boys also happened to play D&D. And they believe that D&D was luring them away from God and condoning violence because of, like, the combat levels and, in yeah, D&D. Yeah. It's kind of like the same thing with video games. I was about to say, Grand yeah, was a big thing with that. Yeah, that just sounds like video games nowadays. Every time a teenager shoots you, They shoot people in them video games. Warning, I guess, but... Yeah. And that's why they don't like God no more. <laughs> they be slashing people. Yeah, I mean, I played Cookie slapping. Mama, and now I'm a five-star Michelin chef. <laughs> so. Hell yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I think that people that play D&D are, are more prone to mental illness in some cases, like depression or anxiety. It's a fantasy game. Well, it's just like, I think that people that feel those things, they think deeper. And people who think deeper, they like to find... An escape. Yeah, an escape. Yeah. That's that's what I'm looking for. And so D&D is a good way to do that. And I also, it's, it's kind of frowned upon kind of too, like... Not so much anymore, but it was before, like, it's very imaginative based, and yeah. people think that adults shouldn't act like that or mm-hmm. do things like that, 
And I'm kind of glad I live in a time where it's socially Very. acceptable because... God forbid some like, adult uses their imagination. Right. Yeah, I mean, even when I was younger, I had that, like, when you're an adult, you go to your 9 to 5 and you can't do anything fun, you can <laughs> yeah. come home and watch TV and drink a beer. Right. But I'm 27-year-old playing Dungeons and & Dragons and <laughs> video games. And, I Having mean, yeah, I've, yeah, it's like there's nothing wrong with it. People do it. Like, I, you see that more. I mean, Especially people, with it more, more mainstream. People escape in books and movies, so what's the difference yeah, if you're playing thing. a game? The, yeah. right. right. This is like kind of more on the sentimental side, but anytime I think about like D&D and especially Tolkien, my grandfather was like the biggest Lord of the Rings nerd I can think of. And I really feel like at the time he grew up in, I'm sure he knew what D&D was. He's passed away now, but... I really feel like if he grew up in like these times where things were more socially acceptable, he would have been like the biggest D and D nerd and could have got into it if he found like a group of adults that, because he he grew up in that era, you know, where men had to be a certain way and you go to just like yeah, what you yeah, said, you go yeah. to your job, blah, blah blah. But deep down, this man was the biggest nerd. He was all about Star Wars movies, Harry Potter movies, and I feel like today, if he was like still alive. And I could talk to him about D and D and tell him what I was doing. He'd probably be like, he would probably come play with us. He'd probably yeah. be like, damn, that sounds fun as shit. Let me get lost in this game. <laughs> I think a lot of people are like that. They just force it down. Yeah, and there's actually a lot of people who would benefit from playing so- something like Dungeons and Dragons because you can, like you were saying, people who are more more prone to depression, and anxiety. It kind of, to me, it helps that a lot. Yeah, it helps my depression and anxiety, anyways. To be able to play something and get into something, I, I, I really like it. It improves your social skills as well. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Because people with those issues tend not to be very social. And when you have like a group of friends, it's like a board game night, but you have a group of friends like I played with, you get close to them and y'all create like a like beautiful moments, especially in the story and stuff. And it's like something that y'all have that nobody else has. Like y'all have this great story that you made up so but then it doesn't have to just be about dandy then you can yeah. go out and have dinner with everybody yeah. and yeah. have fun yeah when i feel like it brings together people who might not ordinarily hang out too like you find out that you have that one thing in common and you start playing together and it turns into something else whereas ordinarily you probably wouldn't have ever hung out or talked to that person yeah that's like uh johnny shout out to johnny again <laughs> but i would have never have hung out with him never would have became friends with him and Came friends with him, and he's like one of the coolest, nicest dudes I know. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that, or a lot of people that we play with, the friend group that I normally wouldn't play with, like Jamie and Tyler Gonzalez and stuff. I knew them in high school, was not their friend, and then we just randomly started playing D&D together. Not too randomly, but it just started happening like that, and I, I consider them good friends now. So. Yeah. Friends. <laughs> not the show. <laughs> The people. You don't like this show? <laughs> Fuck that shit. No, I'm just kidding. I ain't never watched that show. Bro, what show? Saying this ain't friends. the episode. Oh, fuck Friends. Yeah, fuck Friends. No, I'm Says just kidding. Says the man who oh, also watches New Girl with me. I do not watch New Girl with you. Wow, New we Girl. Somebody's getting salty. Mm, do tell. Spill the tea. You, you play New Girl in the background while I'm in the same room. <laughs> And Tyler then just you happens laugh. to watch the entire episode. <laughs> he ends up watching it. That hey, is, man, no shame here. All right, watch what you want to watch. I like this. I, I like never this got show. into that show. It's I, so good. I have been in a room with people watching it, and I've tried, and it's just, like, not there for me. 
it's not there for me. Hannah and Addison love that show, and I just, I can't. Something about the humor of that show that, like, I vibe with, I don't know. I think it's the lack of escapism for me. Oh, well. <laughs> it's not something I could escape into. <laughs> it's got a, I don't know, when it comes to TV shows, there's a couple TV shows that I can watch that are, like, just regular people, like Sons of Anarchy and stuff. But other than that, it's got to well, be... that's escapism. Like, there ain't no fucking biker gang like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but... That dramatic, you know what I mean? Like, most of the shows I watch, it's got to be, like, vampires. Like It's, like, True Blood or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. got to be something like that. I, I get you. I know what you mean. Meanwhile, I'm watching Friends and New Girl. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I do like <laughs> Friends. I do like Friends, but... There's some escapism in that for me, specifically. I mean, it's just like hanging out with a bunch of... Your friends, actually, you know? Yeah. I like that time period, too. I think that's another thing. I'm, like, really into the 90s. Mm. Yes, very, yeah. very good. All the outfits. Yeah. Oh, uh, basic white girls in the 90s. Wow. <laughs> Fuck off, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> that's like not very to... punk rock of you. It's <laughs> <laughs> not very boss of me, like Ari says. <laughs> She said that to me today, and I was like, well, I corrected her because I thought she was trying to say something else. And then I just hear Trevor saying, she's trying to say boss, like in the 90s. I'm like, what the hell? Like, Where the hell did she pick that up from? Trevor's like, I have no idea. She's like, that's so boss. I'm like, what? I like when she boss. says things are dope. It's so cute. <laughs> that's dope. We are way off the rails here. <laughs> I'm a... Uh, looking up some info on D&D and apparently there's a new race coming out mm-hmm. called Fondama. <laughs> I don't know. Fondama what? <laughs> Fondama balls. <laughs> wow. Oh, click the button. Click the button. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I thought that was a real race for a minute. <laughs> I was like, fond of I was like, what animal is that supposed to be like? And then I was, and I was about like, oh, to wait. say it out loud when it clicked in my brain. I was like, I did I too. I did too. I was thinking about fond of my. Like, well, that sounds a lot. Yeah, like- I have sat here for the past ten minutes building up the courage to do that, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to laugh. While I did it. You I did good. Yeah, you up. did fuck yeah, it up. You did good. I no. thought it was a real race. I, I just wasn't. I, was I didn't. Like, wait, a new race. I was gonna say fond of my what? Tyler, because I really Tyler's over here about to drop some info on us. I was like, Fondelma? Um, if you're a Spotify listener, be on the lookout for our Q&As and our polls that are involved with our episodes. We like yeah. to get your feedback on those. All right, well, that's the end of this side quest. Baby! Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Jesus. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon. Good night.